1 Corinthians 10, we preach the Bible straight, plain, hard. We don't want one of these boys and girls to lose their daddy or their mother to the world. We don't want one of them to grow up, turn their back on Jesus. So we preach, teaching every man and warning every man and doing our best to uphold the truth of the Holy Bible. Sanctify them through the truth. Thy word is truth. Moreover, brethren, 1 Corinthians 10.1, I would not that ye should be ignorant. How that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. That's a curious dispensational uh, verse, letter uh, written to a Gentile church. All our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. Must be a household of faith that supersedes natural birth. And we're all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. So there's water on the right, water on the left, and, and clouds, that's water, right up above them. And so they're baptized in water without getting wet. Interesting. There's a, there's a reference there, an allusion there to spirit baptism, and a reference allusion there to water baptism. They're both, both right there in the, in the passage. Interesting, the two passages that, that the uh, Church of Christ and other groups like to point to the most to prove that water baptism saves. This one and First Peter, where uh, the, the, the people in the ark were baptized. In both cases, the baptized party did not get wet. Those that got wet perished. So I wouldn't go to those two places to teach water baptism saves, but that's what people do. And they all eat the same spiritual meat. And they'd all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. So they didn't just eat the manna, the physical meat, bread that fell from heaven, but they fed on God. And they didn't just drink the, the, the water that came out of the rock, they drank of the rock, and that rock was Christ. But with many of them, there we are, with many of them, God was not well pleased. For they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, do you believe? Do you believe that if if a, a devil, say if Satan, if a devil, if an angel, set itself against God, that God would let the devil prevail or an angel prevail? Don't you believe God would overthrow that rebellion? You believe a nation or a government set itself against God? Come on, you know the Bible. Would God would God allow that nation or government to stand, or would He overthrow it? You don't throw it. Well, why, why would you think that just because you were saved, that God would allow you to set yourself against Him and not overthrow you? He's not going to give up the preeminence. He's not going to give up the, the dominion. He's, he's going to rule and reign. Now, you can allow Him to rule and reign in your heart, or you can exalt yourself in your heart, and God will overthrow your kingdom. That's just it. He's, he's gonna, he is going to be the, all, the Almighty. Alright, so they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Verse 11. Now all these things happened unto them for ensamples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he stand to take heed, lest he fall. 15. I speak as the wise men. Judge you what I say. Now, he, he's, he didn't say I'm speaking to wise men. He said, I speak as to wise men. The Holy Spirit says, I'm going to talk to you as though you are wise. Whether you prove to be wise or not, that's, that's up to you. There, there's nothing I can do about that. But I'm going to speak to you as wise. I'm going to speak to you tonight as people who believe God's word to be true. I'm going to speak to you tonight as people who believe the best way to live is God's way. Now, if that's you, wonderful. If it's not you, I can't help that. I can't do anything about that. But I'm going to speak to you as people who don't want to be ignorant. I'm going to speak to you as as I would speak to people who don't want to fall. I'm going to make that assumption. Now, I don't know who here wants to live for the Lord and who doesn't. I don't know who here has decided I want to go on for Jesus and who's decided I've had all that I want. I don't know. But I'm going to speak to you as to wise men. That's what what God would, would advise here. Now, these words are, as we said Thursday night, these are chilling words. And they lusted. They are 
redeemed. We've said it, we'll say it again. They're redeemed by the blood of the Passover lamb. And they lusted. They have walked through that Red Sea on dry land. And they lusted. They have seen Pharaoh's pursuing army drown. And they lusted. They go out every morning, every night and gather food that God sends down direct from heaven. And they lusted. The pillar of fire is shining by night. The pillar of cloud is shining by day. And they lusted. They're on their way to a promised land, flowing with milk and honey, and they lusted, and God said, and I'm talking to you. I'm not talking about them, I'm only, I'm only referencing them because I'm talking about you. There is nothing God has done for you that will stop your flesh from lusting. There is no blessing you've enjoyed from the Lord that will stop your flesh from lusting. And, and they lusted. And he said, I'm giving you this because this is an example to you. Because they fell, you can fall. They fell, I can fall. Every one of us. Capable. So, we saw that we must give the earnest heed. We, we considered Thursday night, the danger's not without. It lies within. It's not the world. It's our flesh. If our flesh was sanctified wholly like that of the Lord Jesus Christ who walked this earth in a body of flesh, the world would have no effect upon us. It would have no allure whatsoever. But our flesh is rotten. Our flesh is corrupt. Lucifer dwelt in glory. But he wanted more. Eve dwelt in a perfect garden. She wanted more. He said, well, you know, if I, if I lived in a better situation, I lived in better circumstances, you mean like Lucifer. That wouldn't help. Well, you know, if I just had a better family situation, Eve was married to a man that hadn't sinned yet. Adam's married to a woman that's never done anything wrong so far. They're living in a place without, well, if they had termites, they didn't hurt anything. <laughs> Mosquitoes didn't bite. Come on. You, you couldn't have a better situation than that man that woman had in that garden. But it didn't satisfy them. So, whatever your situation is, whatever your circumstance is, if it could be improved, it wouldn't fix you. If my living conditions, if the people around me, if my, if my paycheck was larger, if my, my neighbors were nicer, that wouldn't change me. Now, the ultimate proof of this, we'll not look at it tonight because we've got, we got a long way to, to go. Ultimate proof of this, Jesus Christ reigns on earth for a thousand years. It's peace on earth. Goodwill to men for 1,000 years. The curse is removed to, to the extent it can be. And, and the desert blossoms like a rose. And the, the harvest, the, the one harvest overtakes the other. There's just continual fruitfulness and prosperity in the land. And, and, and people live in 900, 1,000 years like they did in the book of Genesis. And as soon as that 1,000 year kingdom runs its course... God opens the pit, lets Satan out, and in one verse, he gathers an army to march on Jerusalem to get rid of Jesus Christ. It's not your environment. It's not your the, the bad conditions you live in. It's not the troubles and the problems around you. It's the flesh. The Bible never calls upon us to deny things, but to deny self. We are not taught to rid the world of evil, but to sanctify the Lord in our hearts. There's no command to crucify the wickedness round about us, but to put to death our affection for those things. The dangers without are nothing compared to the evil that lurks within. They were redeemed, they lusted. They were saved by blood, they lusted. They were baptized, their pursuing foes cut off, they lusted. They gathered bread from heaven. They lusted. They drank the water of life. They lusted. God wants us to get this clearly. Here's what we saw last time. We are told to crucify our affections and lusts. Galatians 5.24 We are to set our affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Colossians 3.2 We are asked to deny our self. Luke 9.23 and to recognize the flesh has desires which cannot be encouraged or entertained. Bible's polite. It's a polite book. First Corinthians 15, it calls this, uh, this mortal 
That's, that's what you call your body. This mortal. What are you looking at? This mortal. It must put on immortality. It's got to be changed. That's the whole chapter. The chapter is not about the resurrection. You could live forever just like this. But the chapter, 1 Corinthians 15, is we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Not saved, changed. Saved people need to be changed. This mortal has put on immortality. I'm saved so I can go to heaven, but I'm not fit for heaven. Got to be changed. It's called in 2 Corinthians 4, and this is so polite, an earthen vessel. It's a container made of earth. It's a clay pot. It's a jar holding two or three firkins apiece. It's, that's what it is. Here, somebody say, hey, man, I'm just going to pot. No, you started that way. You're just, you're just the pot. You're just an earthen vessel. But most often, the Bible doesn't call it this mortal, and the Bible doesn't call it an earthen vessel. The Bible just calls it the flesh. And that's not a complimentary term. The flesh. The term speaks of what we are by nature, and of that which remains unchanged from birth to the rapture. And salvation does not alter the flesh. Salvation does not improve the flesh. Salvation does not eradicate the flesh. Salvation does not guarantee victory over the flesh. Some people have been saved, well they hadn't been saved, they think they've been saved five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times. Because they come to Jesus, they pray the prayer, they trust Him for salvation, and then they find out two months, three months, a year later that everything didn't get fixed. And then, well, I must not have, I must not have gotten saved. I need, I need to get saved. No. What you need to understand is that now that you're saved, you gotta get to work giving Jesus Christ dominion over your filthy, rotten flesh because it's still filthy and rotten even though you got saved. Your flesh does not want to obey the Holy Ghost. Your flesh does not want to live according to the Bible. Your flesh doesn't like that, that, that parent-child relationship. It doesn't like that husband-wife relationship. It doesn't like that master-servant relationship. It doesn't like that Christ and the church relationship. The flesh does not want to be restrained. It does not want to be governed. In these, in these cuckoo religions, Like Romanism and, to a lesser extent, Episcopalianism and Lutheranism, and they they had this this thing called called Lent, not Lent, but Lent. And it's it, it starts out with Ash Wednesday. You know, I'm going to have to give up sin for forty days, and I'm going to mark myself like a dead man because I'd rather be dead than not be able to to do what I've been doing. And 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 so listen. If you've got a religion that requires you to stop sinning for 40 days, you've got a sorry religion. How about the other 325 days a year? I used to witness these Episcopalians here in town, nice guys. And, I, I, and they'd, 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 uh, come, they'd come, they'd have, the, they'd have the, you know, the mark of the beast or the whatever it is on their, on their forehead. And I'd say, so, oh, oh, so it's Lent, what are you giving up for Lent? And they'd say, hard liquor. Still drink beer, but for 40 days, no hard liquor, just beer. That's why they call them whiskey palians. Uh, but, well listen, what, what, what church would count it a sacrifice to give up hard liquor for 40 days a year? But no, no wait, no wait. Because we know for the next 40 days, we gotta kinda dial it back a little bit. We're gonna kick it off with Fat Tuesday. Mardi Gras, we're going to parade naked in the streets and get drunk and fornicate in the gutters because we got to get in 40 days worth of sin in one night. you got to be kidding me. That's not Christianity. 
The heathen don't, don't go that far. I mean, the heathen just do what they do. They don't claim to have any right relationship with God. They just live after flesh. But listen, here's, here's what I'm saying. God doesn't want you to stop doing one or two things for 40 days and then get back with it. And He doesn't want you to, to, to give sin all you got for, for the run-up to the 40 days and then jet, jump right back into sin as soon as the 40 days is over. You know, tear the, tear the purple cloth off and put the white cloth back up. <laughs> Jesus is from the dead. We can start drinking again. And how weird is that? What the Bible says here is the flesh did not get saved, and it shouldn't be accommodated, it shouldn't be entertained, it shouldn't be fed, it shouldn't be allowed to have its way at all. John 3, 6 says this. Now, now think about this. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Praise the Lord. And that which is born of the flesh is flesh. A new birth doesn't mean the old birth was nullified. The new birth means you now have a new man born of the Holy Spirit living inside the old man born of the flesh. That which is born of the flesh is, is flesh. Been saved a week, that was born of the flesh is flesh. Been saved a year, that was born of the flesh is flesh. Been saved 40 years, that was born of the flesh is flesh. Been saved 75 years, that which is born of the flesh is, is, is flesh. It's no better, sir. It hasn't improved, ma'am. It can do what it's always done. It wants to do what it ever did. It will do what it used to if you let it. No one is a child of God according to the flesh, Romans 9, 8. Nor can they be, John 1, 12, which are born not of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. That flesh can't save you. Flesh can't help you live a, live a saved life. Prior to salvation, the Bible says we all had our conversation in time past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh. Now, that's, that's, that's the key phrase there. We had our time passed in the lust of the flesh, and we live our time present with the lust of the flesh. But before we were saved, Ephesians 2, 3 says, fulfilling the desires of the flesh. You cannot alter the desires of the flesh. The victorious Christian life is when we refuse to fulfill the desires of the flesh. Do you agree to these terms? You click yes because you want whatever it is you're signing up for. You didn't read the terms. That's the flesh. Hey, hey, you want to have a big time? Yeah. Do you agree to these terms? Yeah, you didn't read them. You didn't read the terms. You just wanted what the flesh had to offer. After you get saved, you know what you're supposed to do? Read the terms. Having looked in this Bible and read the terms, I do not agree to let the flesh have what it wants. I do not agree to surrender myself to the lust of the flesh. Oh, it's there. Yours is there. The, the, the flesh lusts, but the unsaved fulfill the desire of the flesh. The saved can fulfill the desires of the flesh. Those that are living to please God refuse to fulfill the desires of the flesh. These... Uh, these ads you get in the mail, these things you get in the, on, the, on your computer or your phone, these commercials they run on TV, time's running out. If you call in the next 10 minutes, you know why they want you to call in the next 10 minutes? You know why they want you to order now and they'll give you free shipping? Because if you think about it until tomorrow, you ain't buying it. 
You'll say to yourself, you get up in the morning and say, I almost blew 40 bucks on something I don't need. There's no way I can strap some kind of belt around my waist and eat for nine hours a day and lose weight. I'm 70 years old. I can't wear some kind of bracelet and jump over fences. Order now. Here comes this, you know, you're trying to, you're trying to read some, some report, you know, here's this thing, pops up on your screen. Want to save $500? Here's what, look, here's what I would do. On Monday, I would switch to Geico and save $400. On Tuesday, I'd switch to Allstate, save another $400. On Wednesday, I'd go back to State Farm and save another $300. I would save $1,100 in one week on my car insurance. It can't all be true. Call now. In 15 minutes we can... No, no, you can't. You know what that flesh says? If you just go against the Word of God, you'd have the best time. If you just go against the Bible, your life would be so much better. If you just rebel against the Scripture, you'd be so much happier than you are now. And you better do it now. Act now. Move quick. Don't pray about it. Don't fast. Don't talk to the preacher. Don't talk to people that are happy in their Christian life. Just now. Quick. Hurry. Sin. Sorry. I I, I read, before I checked the box, whether or not I agree to these terms, I read the terms. I don't want to give you my firstborn. I don't want to give you my testimony. I don't want to give you my reputation. I don't want to give you my conscience. I'm not clicking the box. I'm not denying my flesh has lusts, and I hope you're not denying yours does. has the same ones it always has. But we are called upon to no longer fulfill the desires of the flesh and of the mind. Colossians 2, let's look there. Colossians chapter number 2. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, chapter 2, verse number 11. Y'all look at these verses. Do you good look at the Bible. See what the Bible says. Colossians 2, verse 10. Or, let's start verse 9. For in Him, in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete. Where? Then where are you not complete? Without Him. What you're looking for is Jesus Christ. You're complete in Him. Which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also ye are circumcised, circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Now, you know what didn't happen when I got saved? I didn't put off the body of flesh. Because I'm still in it. I'm still carrying around with me. He says, you, you put off the body of, look, what's he saying? The body of sins in the flesh. The body of sins in the flesh. <laughs> or sins of the flesh. Now, you know what they call, they call, uh, Beethoven wrote this symphony and that symphony and this concerto and that concerto. I, I don't want to say too much because Dan will correct me. I, I, I don't know everything he wrote. I just know he was in it for the girls. Uh, but, you know, those musicians, girls just flocked to the, oh, Beethoven. <laughs> anyway. But everything, everything he wrote is called his body of work. Mark Twain wrote, wrote, wrote a book about a, a Yankee and a book about a jumping frog and a book about a, a Huck Finn and all that. You can't read them in school anymore because they're, they're racially insensitive. But, but anyway, Mark Twain wrote all these books. But everything he wrote is called the body, the, his body of work. Now, you know what? I, I cannot put off the flesh, but I can put off the body of sin that function operate in this flesh. What is that? That's the entirety of what this flesh wants to do that's against God. I have the power to refuse every bit of it. Just as I have the power to commit any sin that any sinner can commit... As a saved man, you have, I have, the power to say no to the entire body of sins in the flesh. That's what we're called upon to do. 
The Lord didn't say don't have any, any lust, don't have any temptation. That's not a possibility. But he did say, sin shall not have dominion over you. Well, if he said that, then it's possible for me to not be dominated by what the flesh lusts after. People say, you just, preacher, you just don't know. You never smoked and you don't know what it's like. Somebody else says, well, preacher, you just don't know. You've never been an alcoholic. You just don't know what it's like. Somebody else says, you just don't know. You've never been in this situation I've been in. Preacher, you don't know. You didn't have parents like my parents. I didn't say any of this. God said, you're saved now, and there is no sin your flesh can't commit, but there is no temptation you can't be victorious over through Jesus Christ. If your mom was no good, I'm sorry about that. If your dad was rotten, I'm sorry about that. If you if you didn't grow up in church, well, that's a disadvantage. If you did grow up in church and you walked away from it, that's a disadvantage. Look, everybody's got flesh. That's the problem. And if you're saved, everybody's got the Holy Spirit. That's the victory. We make so much more of oh, my flesh. I mean, you know, we all got flesh. How come you don't hear people say, well, Holy Spirit, we got the Holy Spirit. Don't you have the Holy Spirit? I got the Holy Spirit. Man, we give, we talk about the flesh like it's all powerful and like the, uh, and about the Lord like He's weak and impotent, can't do anything to help us. Well, yeah, I'm saved, but you know, this flesh. Why are you giving glory to the flesh? Flesh is not the superior power here. 1 Peter chapter 3. Let's see how, how else the Holy Spirit terms it. Oh, here's that baptism verse. 1 Peter 3. Verse 21, just so we can stay on track. Like figure where unto even baptisms also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Okay, here's, here's two things I want you to see. First of all, the Bible doesn't call it habits. The Bible doesn't call it mistakes. And the Bible doesn't call it slipping up. And the Bible doesn't call it, well, I did, at least I didn't do that. The Bible calls it the filth of the flesh. There's not a person here that would want to drink a glass of something with filth in it. There's not a person here that would like to eat a plate of food that had filth in it. But we will live lives with filth in them and imagine it's not hurtful. Okay, well suppose it didn't hurt you. Suppose you could drink... You took a nice glass of water and you just put a tablespoon of filth in it. Well, it's not going to hurt me. Yeah, but why would you opt for that? Well, I got a plate full of food here and most of it's pretty good, but I just grabbed a handful of something the dog just puked up and put it in a plate and and it's not going to hurt me. Who cares if it's going to hurt you? Why would you eat that? You know what these carnal, carnal people say? Well, it's not going to, I don't think it's going to hurt anything. Yeah, but why, why would you want filth? What is it about our spiritual life that we value so much less than our physical life? Well, you know, I'm going to live for the Lord as long as I can have some filth too. But now, now wait, you say, well, thank God, I'm glad I'm saved. Now wait, wait. 1 Peter 3.21, the light figure, even baptism, doth also now save us, skip the parentheses, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So he's writing to people who are now saved by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Everybody see that? Okay, what did that not do for you? Look at the parentheses. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh. But the answer of a good conscience toward God. When you got saved, you know what God did? He cleansed your conscience toward God. 
You know what he didn't do? He didn't put away the filth of your flesh. You're going to have to do that. Did you read it? Saved by the resurrection of Christ. Parentheses. That did not put away the filth of your flesh. So you know what I got? I've got a cleansed conscience and a saved soul surrounded by a flesh that still wants filth. That's why when a, when a man says or a woman says, Whew, man, now I'm saved, I'll never do that again. You absolutely can. I'm glad all that's behind me. Let's hope so, but don't bet on it. Now consider the power of the opposition. I'm not saying the world's the problem. I'm saying the flesh is the problem, but the world is a great contributor. When you're riding down the highway, let's say you you can drive from here to Virginia. Brother Doug made it up through the ice and snow today, and we thank the Lord for that. Uh, But let's say you drive from here to Virginia. You know something about every 60 or 75 miles, you're going to see a billboard with a Bible verse on it, or a billboard with something on it telling people trust Jesus, and you're going to say to your family, Hey, hey, look at that, look at that! Isn't that great? Isn't that a blessing? You know why you got excited about that? Because the last 1,500 billboards you passed were not appealing to your spirit. They were appealing to your flesh. Every now and then, we'll be traveling somewhere and we'll go in a, in a store or a restaurant or something and they'll be playing a, a, a Christian song. I'm not talking about Cracker Barrel. They play one Christian song then a drunk song right after it. We're not, we're not talking about that. Well, I'm talking about a, a business that's actually playing. They got a Christian music playing in there, or, or and you say, "Wow, listen to that! Listen to that! Must be must be saved people operate this business." You know why that gets your attention? Because that ain't what's playing everywhere else. Now, look, if everywhere you went, you were being encouraged to deny the flesh and live for Jesus, it'd be a whole lot easier. But apart from church, a church like this, and a little glimpse here and there, most of your encouragement round the clock is going to be for the filth of the flesh. So who's going to help you? Right family, right friends, right church, right relationship with God. Other than that, you're getting no encouragement at all. You imagine tomorrow you, you, you tried to log on to your social media and the screen came up and said, the owners of this site have shut it down. It was contributing too much to the filth of the flesh. That's not going to happen. You start preaching too much Jesus on there, they'll block you out. I'm telling you, it's gonna have to, you're going to have to get in God's Word with God's people to be encouraged to deal with the flesh the way it's supposed to be dealt with. First John chapter 2. First John chapter 2. We'll come back to Peter in just a second. First John chapter 2. First John chapter 2. Verse 15. Love not the world. Not the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And, and, the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Now, you see again what we talked about this morning. What lasts? What's lasting? Will of God. Things done according to the will of God. What's, what's temporal? What's vanishing? What's passing away? Not just the world, but the lust thereof. Everything you're reaching for, if you're reaching away from God, it's just going to vanish. And everything you're reaching for, if you're reaching toward God, it'd be there forever. 
Love not the world. For all, all that is in the world, lust the flesh, lust the eyes, pride of life, not the Father, but of the world. Oh, if we could just believe that. If we could just believe that whatever I choose over the will of God is going to vanish, just going to slip right through my fingers. You know what you'd do? I've got one testimony. I've got one testimony. If I valued that like God said I should, I would cling to that and hold on to that rather than reaching for all the things that are going to leave me without a testimony. I've got one wife in my lifetime. If I believe that, you know what I'd do? I would not reach for things that are going to go right through my fingers and leave me without the love and without the fellowship, without the companionship. I would, I would, I would embrace everything the Bible says about family and cling to that. See what he's saying? Sobriety. Why does God say go for that if it's not better than drunkenness? Purity. Why does God say go for that, young people, if it's not better than defilement? Look, whatever God offers is not only something you can hang on to, but something you will want to hang on to. And whatever this flesh is lusting after out there in that world, contrary to God, the Bible said it's going gonna, it's gonna to slip right through your face. It's going to vanish. It's going to pass away. It's gone. It's gone. I grew up in this church. Learned the Bible in this church. Met a Christian man in this church. Got married in this church. Had a baby shower in this church. Started messing around on her husband in this church. Now she's living with a man. She's married, but she's living with a man who's married. Not to her. You know something? It won't be two years. He'll be sick of her. She'll be sick of him. She'll have no husband to go back to. He'll have no wife to go back to. There'll be a bunch of kids all messed up and twisted around. You know what? Listen, what this world says you want, your flesh says, yeah, I think I want that. I'm telling you, you're going to look one day at a hand that's empty, at a heart that's empty, at a home that's empty, because God's not lying to you. The world is lying to you. God's not the deceiver. The flesh is the deceiver. They, they, they came by one day. She, she's going to flaunt it in my face, you know. Came downtown, we're down at 4.30 in the afternoon, I'm down there, Jesus said, here she come by with her, with her boyfriend. You can't do anything about it. If God can't, how will you think I can? Looked right past her, looked at him, I said, you'll be sorry. Balls up his fist, you know. I said, don't you know somebody commit adultery with you? Will commit adultery against you. That's what an adulteress does. Same for you, honey. That's what an adulterer does. He loves me. Really? He probably told the woman he married that. He probably told the mother of his children that. He's a liar. I don't think you'll talk about people that way. I don't think people will do that stuff. <laughs> you want to be talked about? Don't do it. Your crowd talks about me for living for Jesus. I'll talk about you for living about, about you for living with the devil. How's that? Amen. We shouldn't judge. We quit judging me. <laughs> Hip, hypocrite. People just think they can toy with God and live happily ever after. They don't be no happily ever after that story. Whoremongers, adulterers, God will judge. That's what He said. You don't need me to judge you. I'll have to get in line to judge you. God's going to judge you. I don't like that kind of preaching. You would, you would if you, somebody's trying to mess you up like that. Second Peter two. Second Peter chapter two. 
I mean, how, how far gone do you have to be to just try to glory in your shame? Well, man, I'd never do that. You know what the Bible says? You can do that. Well, I, I'd never do that. Look, look, what sin are you allowing now? What sin are you accommodating now? What lust of the flesh are you fulfilling now? Well, who are you to say you're going to draw the line when you get to that one? You haven't drawn the line yet. You keep moving the line because your flesh ain't satisfied. You keep pushing that line farther and farther. You thought that tattoo was going to do it, and it didn't. You thought the second tattoo was going to do it, and it didn't. You thought the ring through your nose was going to do it, and it didn't. You, you thought taking a, a, a drill and, and boring a hole in your ear was going to do it, and it didn't. You thought hanging a birdcage there with a, with a hamster in it was going to do it. What you're looking for, you're not going to find. Poor fellow waited on us today. He's got to take his washer out to, to go to work because they don't want the washer in his ear. I almost prefer the washer in the ear and have this thing hanging down to his shoulder, man. You take one of those Nerf pistols and shoot the thing right through the, through the, hold still. Shoot it right through the hole in his ear, man. Yeah. You know what that is? That's somebody trying to find what the world said was going to make you happy, and it's not there. Second Peter 2. We're about half where we're supposed to, supposed to get farther than this. Second Peter 2, verse 18. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity... They allure through the lust of the flesh, through much wantonness, those, now look, those that were clean escaped from them who live in error. Who's he writing to? Somebody who lived in error. They didn't just escape, they clean escaped. They got so far from Egypt that Pharaoh couldn't touch them. They got so far out of bondage, there's a Red Sea and a desert in between their old life and their new life. And then somebody allured them. What did they use? They didn't use Pharaoh. They didn't use Egypt. They didn't use Egyptian gods. What did they use? Through, they allure through the lusts of the flesh. Now, now look. The world didn't get them. Their flesh got them. It's not Hollywood, it's your flesh. It's not Obama, it's your flesh. It's not drug dealers, it's your flesh. It's not bars, it's your flesh. It's not girls not wearing enough clothes, it's your flesh. Look, that stuff's going on all around you all day long. They are trying to... Look, the allure is here, it's the flesh. It's not Egypt, they're out of Egypt and they're, and they're not pleasing God. Why? They're flesh. Clean escaped. Clean escaped. But now getting drugged back into dirty. How does that happen? Verse 19. <laughs> While they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome, of the same as he brought in bondage. All right. Boys and girls, Ready? Let me help you here. What you need to do is just get away from your mom and dad because they're making you their slaves. Come be our slaves. I'm just, you don't have to believe the Bible. I believe the Bible. You, you don't have to believe the Word of God. I believe the Word of God. 
There is not freedom there. All, the only option you have is trading masters. There is no escape. There is only a choice of bondage. You're going to serve God or you're going to serve your flesh. You're not going to be independent. You know what they, they promise you liberty. Wouldn't you like to get free? Free from that old preacher. Free from that old Bible. Free from that hateful Christianity. Wouldn't you like to be free from all those rules and regulations? Come on down to the club with us. Can I preach there? No. Why? We have rules. Can I bring in my own drinks? No, we have rules. Can I punch people in the face? No, we have rules. I thought I was going to be free. Hey, listen, knuckleheads. Everybody's got rules. Everybody's got requirements. Everybody's got a dress code. Everybody's got a code of conduct. Everybody's got somebody running the thing and it's never going to be you. So you may as well just stick with God who loves you. Instead of signing up to give your life to somebody who couldn't care if you lived or died. <laughs> People are they're amazing. This, I've told you this before, but he just, it just it so comes to mind. This, this fellow's saved now, living for God, raising his children in a Bible-preaching church. But he's a teenager. Oh, man, he, he made life miserable for his mom and for his dad and for his church. And one day he walked in, he threw some papers down on the table and said, Take that! His mom said what? He said, You ain't telling me what to do anymore. I joined the army. That'll show them. <laughs> Get away from those rules. <laughs> yeah, man. Everybody wants to be free. Whom the Son makes free shall be free indeed. That's it. That's it. So, what do they offer? They offer, they promise them liberty. They themselves are servants of corruption. Why don't you just ask yourself, who is it that's asking me to go against the Bible? Who is it that's asking me to not devote my entire life to Jesus Christ? All right, how we... Mm, 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 mm. Let's go fast. Let's go real fast. We can do this. Mark 14... Mark 14. Do I believe these two verses? Mark 14. They're true of me. I think they're true of you, but you're going to have to agree to it. I've, I, I agree to it. Mark 14. Mark 14. Verse 38. Watch ye and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. The Spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. You know who said that? A man left all to follow Jesus and followed him three and a half years. I, I, I don't know many people have done that. Given up their business, home life, family life. Peter's got a wife. Peter's got a mother-in-law. Three and a half years, he just wandered around the countryside preaching, telling people about Jesus. When he got back home, he had a wife, had a mother-in-law. So let's give her some credit too. She's a disciple as well as Jesus, is, as well as Peter is. 
And so, so Peter, that's devotion. And then verse 31, he spake more vehemently. If I should die with thee, I'll not deny thee. So, he's a follower of Jesus. He loves the Lord enough to die for him. That's what he said. He's in Gethsemane. 33, taketh with him Peter and James and John. So, they're in a, they're in a private prayer meeting with Jesus. Whom they have chosen to follow with their lives. They've given up business opportunities. They've given up family privileges. They're, they're, foxes have holes. Birds there have nests. Son of man has nowhere to lay, lay his head. They're counting on miracles for supper. You know what Jesus said to that man? Your flesh is weak. Lord, after all I've done for you, your flesh is weak. No, Lord, I, I've walked with you for, for all these years. Your flesh is weak. Well, no, Lord, I, I mean, I, I was there. I walked on water, remember? You and me, the only two ever did that. Your flesh is weak. Lord, I've left all to follow you. You promised me one of the twelve thrones in the kingdom. Your flesh is weak. That man didn't believe it could be true of his flesh. And before the sun came up the next morning, he denied the Lord just like somebody who never met him. And Jesus met him after his resurrection and said, said, Simon, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. He did love him. He just didn't believe what Jesus said about his flesh. See, the answer of the disobedient Christian to preaching like this is, well, I love the Lord. It's, that's not enough. You have to believe what he said. Peter loved him. He just didn't trust him. He loved him. He just didn't believe him. Peter, your flesh is weak. John 6. John chapter 6. My flesh is weak. Hebrews, oh, if we could go there, we don't have time to go there tonight. Hebrews said there's nothing wrong with the law. God's law is absolutely, absolutely perfect. But the weakness and unprofitableness of our flesh was the problem. That's not very complimentary, is it? John chapter 6, verse 63. It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth, Nothing. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Too bad, too bad most people aren't as serious about their spiritual life as are their material life. All right, so flesh, nothing. Christ, life more abundant. Which one you want? You've got to believe the Bible. All right, let's pray. Father, Father, help us.